0: So who's been who's been blessed so far this morning? Yes. Oh well, that's good news. And anyone got a story or a testimony you'd like to share? God has been on your case? Or a blessing or a healing or a miracle or <laughs> shy, shy lot. Maybe it's full of lunch. It was a very, very good lunch. Thank you. Pam. Yeah, wonderful. Um, This afternoon, I want to talk about deliverance. Uh, As we approach the end of the age, the Bible tells us that light will get lighter and dark will get darker. So the contrast increases. If you're a photographer, God is turning up the contrast. The reason is that it becomes more obvious what is light. So that those that are in darkness can actually see It's more obvious. Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, the Bible says. So they can't actually see it. They're unable to perceive the glory of the gospel of Christ. But as the darkness increases and the light increases, it becomes more easier for them to see. And I'm convinced that's one of the reasons why we are facing, why we're seeing now increasing persecution around the world, in the church, and increasing interest in things of the enemy. Because of that, it means that the opportunities for meeting people who are sick and need uh, to be healed, we have an increasing need to understand that l- more of them will be will will have demonic problems. <coughs> the demons work in different ways in different countries. It's interesting doing so much of our ministry overseas in in India and uh, Nepal, where uh, they're Hindu-based countries, and you don't have to explain to a an Indian or a Nepali about the reality of demons. They're perfectly they're very conscious of the evil spirits and most of their puja and their, their prayers and things, um, sacrifices to the, to in the temples, are done to try to protect themselves against the evil spirits. So this is totally part of their culture. Because it's part of their culture, the demons actually are not afraid to manifest they 're there, but because demons are not part of our culture, uh, they tend to hide, so their modus operandi here is different they're, they 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 work generally by hiding what that means is because they're all there're just as many demons here as there are there you know they 're around, but we don 't see them, and so why not because um it, it, it would be counterculture, and f- for them, so they actually work better to do it uh, undercover. So it means, therefore, that there's there's plenty around. We don't need to be afraid because I always say that the good news is we've got twice as many good angels as bad ones, because a third of the angels fell. So that's uh, the the numbers are on our side other thing is that we've uh, all been allocated angels so we've got we've got a little protection army and so especially the kids the kids have got the angels assigned to them so we've, we're, we're well surrounded there's a lot of angels doing some quite hard work here right now because the enemy doesn't like this subject uh, so <laughs> praise God and thank you father for the angels um, that, that are working on our behalf and uh, so we will when we come to do healing, we will come across demonic problems. So we need to be encouraged how to handle that. And uh, the, more, uh, the more healing we do, I think the more Bron and I see. And I'm, I'm slightly missing my wife Bron, because this is very much her area. She's very skilled in this area. Uh, I recognize that she's got much better discernment than I have. So when we come to minister to someone together, um, we use each other's gifts, and she's very quick at, at picking up um, somebody's uh, issues or what the spirit is that we're dealing with. I don't know if you, any of you have had Len Butner down. Have you had Len? Yep. He's he's really onto it as well, and he's very sharp. Uh, I love working with Len, because um, uh, you can depend on his discernment. He's very, very skilled in this area. So these are areas that we want to encourage each other to develop and grow in. But, of course, like anything else, we do that by practice. My personal view is that every church, every Christian believer, should be encouraged to understand that they have the authority to cast out demons. Every Christian believer has authority to do that. But I also believe that every church should encourage its believers to be willing to cast out demons, but should also train a team that are ready to get stuck in when uh, someone has demonic problems. And this is highlighted because Jesus himself said there are different kinds of demons. Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9 is the story of Jesus casting a demon out of a, of a young boy who, you know, on the face of it, you might have guessed had epilepsy, or he was rolling around, he was gnashing his teeth, he was foaming at the mouth. Um, but it wasn't epilepsy, it was a spirit. And Jesus cast out the spirit. And the disciples then came to him and said, "Well, why couldn't we get it out?" And Jesus says, um, "Verse twenty-nine, Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-nine. This kind can come out only by prayer." This straightaway um, sort of raises a bit of a question about what I've been teaching about. So I want to put this into context before I come back to what I was about to say. This kind come and come out only by prayer. In the Matthew version, Matthew tells the same story, but his answer, when they say, why couldn't we cast it out, Jesus' answer is, because you have so little faith. So if we join those two stories together, I believe that the answer why the disciples had so little faith was because they were not living a lifestyle of prayer. So it's not that we have to pray to cast out a demon. It is that if we're living a lifestyle of prayer, or if you want to add the, and fasting in, um, is there in some versions, if we're living a lifestyle, a submitted lifestyle to God, then we will be better positioned to cast out certain demons. Okay, so that's the situation, that, uh, the way I see it putting the two accounts together. But what I wanted to pick up on was not that necessarily, it was the fact that Jesus says this kind can come out only by prayer. From that he makes it clear that there are different kinds, and there are some kinds are easy and some kinds are not so easy. And that certainly has been our experience. <laughs> I remember one time, quite recently, in our own church, when um, my wife and I were ministering on a healing line, because uh, we always uh, uh, offer opportunity for ministry at the end of every service. And my wife and I were there, and a lady came forward uh, for healing, and uh, um, she had a she had a she had a sore throat. So um, my, my wife Bron laid her hands on her. She immediately buckled over, um, she had a cough, stood up, and she said, oh, it's gone, and walked off. Now, Bron and I looked at each other and had a big grin, because we knew that she'd just got delivered. She had a demon that was causing a sore throat. She bent over, coughed, the demon came out, and she went off. She had no idea that it was happening. She had no idea what had happened, but she got set free and healed. I, so I just love that. You know, it's so... Um, <laughs> So cool. Uh, so that's one of the easy ones. But they're not all like that. And anyone that's been in ministry for any length of time will have confronted some of the t- hard ones. And it's no, it, we don't need to be embarrassed that some of these people are going to take time. Um, in fact, there was one lady who had been the, te- the head witch in the UK for many, many years. And when she got saved, it actually took her six months to get set free. Um, and she went through many, many hours of deliverance sessions. And they got her set free completely, which was wonderful. But when you've been heavily involved with the enemy, there's, there's stuff there, and, and it takes time. So what I want to do the, this, this afternoon is actually talk through some of the issues that we might face, um, how do we recognize, how do we know, that somebody might have a demonic problem? And then, um, yeah, casting the, the easy ones out is fairly straightforward. We just tell them to come out and they all come out. Um, but what about the difficult ones? Because we, we, I have, um, we have used a process that we've been very, found very effective, uh, which we learned from the, the guide that I would call the King of Deliverance, which is Carlos Anacondia. Some of you have heard of his ministry. He was a, a South American um, evangelist. And we, he had an amazing ministry. We were, we were there down in, doing a crusade down in South America when he was uh, doing his ministry. And the, the, the towns of, of Argentina in those days had what they call um, uh, before Anacondia and after Anacondia. Because he would go into a, a city, amazing, have, start doing crusade meetings every night, until he had the breakthrough or until God told him to move on. Sometimes that would be three months, and and but they would get forty or fifty thousand people coming to the meetings every night, and would have half, ten, twenty thousand people saved, and it changed the city. But one of the things that he would He would do before he started preaching he'd get up on the platform and he'd just start rebuking the demons tell them to scram before he started preaching i've never seen anybody else do this and and just people started manifesting all over the place i even saw him doing it this was hilarious he was doing a pastor's meeting and there were about 200 pastors and their wives there and he did exactly the same thing he just started rebuking the demons and the pastors and their wives started manifesting all over the place so Yeah, so he trains people what to do and and he taught us, and it's just amazing. Um, He would quite often, it would be quite normal for him to see 100 or 200 people manifest before he started preaching. And he'd have people trained to go in and pick them out of the crowd, and they would start rolling around or screaming or shouting or shaking. Pick them out of the crowd, take them out of the crowd and take them into a big tent. Now the big tent would be twice the size of this room. And uh, all the way around the outside of the tent were chairs, um, and two or three people beside each chair. And the people who had fi- f- called—they were called stretcher bearers—that would pick the people up in the in the crowd and bring them into the tent, sit them down in a chair, and and then the the counselors would minister to them and get them set free. And Uh, The place was like a hospital ward. It was quiet as. I thought it would be absolute bedlam. We walked in there. It was just quiet. Because as soon as they come in, the demons are told to shut up. They they, they shut up. And there's the person that sits in the chair. And then they're counseled. And and then uh, they're prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They usually fall down. And 15 minutes later, they get up and go back into the meeting. Totally sorted. And I said to the guy who ran it all, he was just kind of standing there watching as it was going on. He wasn't involved. Uh, and I said, how long does it normally take to, to get them set free? And He said, mm, five or ten minutes. The hard ones might take fifteen. <laughs> I'm going, what? Really? You know, we've spent hours with people. Um, so, it's a matter of having faith in the authority that we've been given. We need to believe that Jesus has given his his authority. And I, I believe that the more we have faith in the authority that we've been given, the, the more effective our uh, deliverance ministry will be. Because if we don't believe that we've got the authority, they will play games with us. And we can say, uh, oh, uh, come out, demon, you know, come out. If you're very nice, you might just come out. And it's just not going to happen, is it? Uh, So Jesus, it says, Jesus spoke to them sternly, so that's how we do it. the same time, we also must learn to love the person and hate the demon. And for me, this is a key and very easy to forget. In the heat of the moment, somebody is manifesting, and we start waving fingers and shouting. Uh, All that we actually do is to make the person more afraid. Um, I learned this lesson the hard way by, funnily enough, it wasn't actually a a deliverance session. I was preaching in the UK and we had an open meeting and um, a guy who we knew came into the back and he was drunk. and, And he stood at the back and he started swearing and blinding and going on shouting at us while I was trying to preach so I just thought I'm gonna rebuke the demon because it was obviously demonic so I just said shut up in the name of Jesus and he didn't he kept going and so I asked the ushers to take him out which they did well that guy for the next two years every time I saw him he just hated me laid into me really hated me and I thought that's really strange because you know I just told him to shut up in the meeting, but he was really angry. And then I was reading in Proverbs not long ago, not, not much later, and came across a proverb which said, Rebuke a mocker and he will hate you. Suddenly I realized what was going on. He, the man, thought I was talking to him. I thought I was talking to the demon. He thought I was talking to him. He thought I was rebuking him. What I should have said was, Shane, Jesus loves you. That was his name. Demon, be still. Now then, I would have identified which one I was talking to you. So when we come to deliverance, it's important that we do the same. Make sure that you tell the person that Jesus loves them and wants them free. And then speak to the demon. And address the demons sternly, because if you start shouting waving fingers, it's generally a sign that you're not absolutely sure of your authority. Somebody, <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? If somebody who's not sure of their authority will start, yeah, making a row. So. Deliverance has actually occurred, 25% of the miracles in in the Gospels actually involve deliverance. So, there is therefore a sort of a suggestion that 25% of sick people have got demons, but actually that, that's a wrong conclusion. The, the conclusion we can come to is that they're around uh, and when we when we're ministering to the sick we will come across people with demonic problems so like i say the the, the simple ones are fairly straightforward you you just uh, discover that this is a demon and tell it to come out in the name of Jesus or the Holy Spirit might tell you there's a spirit of infirmity that's a common one uh, typically a spirit of infirmity will be um, will be when the doctors come can't find what's wrong, there, there might be a, no, a series of symptoms and the doctors, they've gone for tests, the doctors can't find out what's wrong and they send them back and they haven't really, I mean they might prescribe a few painkillers or something but, but they haven't got to the bottom of it and, and that could well be a spirit of infirmity, so there's one to go for um, and uh, so just command it to come out and if, if things are going well, it'll come out quite easily And there won't be any more problems, and that person's health um, will be sorted. Another typical one we meet quite often is what I call a spirit of pain. It's when somebody's got a a painful condition, and you lay hands on the spot, and the pain moves. Now, in the normal physical, uh, there's no normal physical reason for that to happen. So, if somebody's got a painful shoulder, and you put your hand on the shoulder, and the pain moves to the elbow, Going, no, that's probably not uh, a problem with the shoulder. That's probably a spirit of pain. Happens quite often when somebody gets a bad hip. You put your hand on the hip, it goes to the knee. You put your hand on the knee, it goes to the foot. You put your hand on the foot and it comes out. So if you find yourself chasing pain around the body, speak to the spirit of pain and command it to come out. So that that's another little, a little tip. These ones are fairly fairly straightforward where it gets more complicated is where the person has given the demons reason to be there actually every demon has a reason to be there Uh, I, I don't believe that the Lord allows demons to oppress people without without there being a reason so What we need to do when we come to minister is to actually discover those reasons. Sometimes, as I say, the spirits will just come out and it's not an issue. But if they're not coming out straight away, we're going to need to uh, actually discover what's going on. Why is the demon there? Because we will need to deal with that reason before they can come out. If the demons think they've been given permission to stay, then they will stay. So we we have to discover that and get the person to agree to break off those conditions. So this, therefore, leads us to take, take through a process. <coughs> now, you might think, do we really need to do a process? Did Jesus do a process? I would like to uh, quickly look at the um, healing of the demoniac. So maybe we could go to um, Mark chapter 5. Mostly, when Jesus commanded the demons to come out, they came out quickly. We don't know about Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons, but we don't know the process. We do know the process with this guy uh, in Mark chapter 5. And this is the healing of the demoniac or the demon-possessed man. Please don't ask me about the pigs. I don't know about the pigs. (laughs) I have no idea. So we'll just avoid that. (laughs) The man lived in the tombs and no one can bind him anymore. So here's one symptom of somebody being demonized is they can be very strong. I've seen that with a young girl, just extraordinary. Night and day among the tombs, and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones." It's another symptom of demons, is self-harm. I, I personally believe that all self-harm is, has got a demonic root. I may be wrong, but uh, if I see self-harm, that's where one, one place I would go. Um, Now, let's just read this next bit carefully, because there's a truth lurking in here. When he saw Jesus from a a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to me, to God, you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. What we need to try and discern here is what's going on. And there's a, there's a key verse, verse 8, which tells us that this was a process. How do I know that? Because it says here, For Jesus had said to him, pluperfect tense, come out of this man, you evil spirit. That means what had happened. What was the first thing? Jesus saw him at a distance. Then Jesus said, come out of this man, you evil spirit. That happened. Do you see the the sequence of events? Then he shouted at the top of his voice, verse 7, Because verse 8 is out of context, out of order, out of chronological order. Then he shouted, what do you want with me? Then Jesus says, asked him his name. So there was already a process going on. Jesus had told the demon to come out, and it hadn't, and he started to argue. And this is a common experience for us as well. We meet somebody who starts manifesting, we tell the demon to come out and it argues. And so at this stage we realize, okay, now we need to get into a process so that we can actually get this person set free. So what did Jesus do? first thing Jesus did was ask the name. Now I find this interesting. He knew by discernment that this, there were lots of demons here, but he asked the man's name Per, um, second person singular. He didn't ask plural, he asked singular. Not what are, are your names, but what is your singular name. What, why am I emphasizing this? Because I personally don't think Jesus was interested in the name of the demon. I think Jesus was interested in the name of the person. I, I think what he was doing was showing the person compassion. I'll bet nobody had asked his personal name for years because they were so terrified of him. But Jesus was actually trying to build empathy with this man and showing him love by asking his name. What's your name? And so, you see, it's a very personal thing. And, and only then, because of the power of the demons, the man actually was not able to reply and give his, his person name. The, the demons interrupted. And again, this happens a lot when we're doing deliverance. So you want, try and ask the person a question and the demon answers. So at that stage, you can tell the demon to shut up. This is one of the parts of the process that we'll, we'll look at in a minute. So what I'm going to do is go walk, walk through a process that we've used, uh, that, as I say, we, we learned from Carlos Anacondia. So uh, this tells us, because this was a difficult one. Uh, this, this, you know, we, we've seen easy ones, but this was a hard one. And I find it encouraging that even Jesus needed to go through a process. Uh, to get this man set free. People can be demonized through a range of different issues. Mostly, there are issues which people are unaware that they are actually making a a vow or a covenant with the enemy. But that's basically what's going on. And when, uh, you know, Paul makes it clear that when we are worshipping idols, we're actually worshipping demons. And Paul says, I don't want you to have anything to do with demons. So that's a good reason not to be involved in idolatry then you might say, well, yeah, in our culture there isn't a lot of idolatry, but I would actually argue about that um, because, to me, anything that we worship above God is idolatry. Tell me if we don't idolize sports stars, or music stars, or film stars, or whatever, I mean, you, you, can, you can get what I'm, where I'm going, even, even sport itself. Can become an idol for some people. When we when we put things like this ahead of God, they can become idols. If they become idols, then they are opportunities for the, the enemy to uh, to attack us. Quick a quick word on the difference between oppression and possession. Uh, this is one of the areas that I. Disagree with the NIV. I, I like it, but the NIV stands for nearly infallible version. Um, <laughs> and it's not completely infallible. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the issues I have is that it speaks about demonized people as being demon-possessed. And I think that's, uh, that's probably... I have seen demon-possessed people. If you go to places like India and you see people that are demon-possessed, they're completely out of it. Um, I feel sorry for them. You know, their eyes are totally vacant and and they walk around like zombies and, and just the devil's got them. And it's very sad. Um, so 99% of the people in our culture, probably nearly 100% of the people that we are dealing with, will not be like that. They're demon oppressed. In fact, the, the Greek word is demonized. It means that... So I, I think of it a little bit like about like flies around a carcass. You know, those, the flies are there, um, there's, there's an issue in the person's life and the flies are there. So, what we need to do actually deal with the issues and the flies will go. So, um, ways of getting involved with uh, demons is through idolatry, witchcraft, occult. Freemasonry is very big in this country. And unfortunately, Freemasonry, one of the ways that Freemasons perpetuate their idolatry is to make vows uh, putting curses on their families, and even on their children. And it's very sad. But what that means is, you know, when you're in the Freemasons and you, you, you make a vow to, the, to your God, um, then the, the, the vow actually places a curse against, you, know, you are going to do this or... These curses will happen to your children, Um, and so that can be passed down the generations. So of course when we come to minister to somebody who's got uh, uh, Freemasonry in their parents or grandparents, um, there could well be some issues that have come down the family line, and we need to deal with that and break it off. Uh, Fortunately, all we need to do is just put it under the blood of Jesus and break it, uh, and by faith that's released. And and so all of those all of those curses are broken because Jesus became a curse for us. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. So other things um, uh, Sexual Problems violation Soul ties for those that are not don't know what I'm talking about a soul tie Is formed when you make a covenant with someone Uh, the the commonest Form nowadays is when you have sex with someone and you, you automatically form a soul tie with that person. Now unfortunately what can happen is that can become a channel for spiritual influence. If that person happens to be involved in witchcraft or idolatry themselves, then you can be impacted or influenced by that person, even though you've had nothing to do with witchcraft yourself, but what you've done is slept with somebody who is, and that can actually cause uh, spiritual problems for you, because you've opened yourself up spiritually to that person. So uh, that's just that's what we call a soul tie, and uh, it's quite unfortunately nowadays, in a very promiscuous society, it's very common. I'm told that the average Kiwi today. This blows my mind. The average kiwi today has slept with twenty other people. If that's the average, look around this room. I bet we haven't. So what are the rest getting up to? You know. And unfortunately, it it just opens the doors to uh, to danger, to risk. So when people when people sleep around, it's not just physical diseases, pregnancy that are the problem. We get spiritual problems as well. So we need to be aware of these things. Um, other common f- causes of demonization: addictions, whether it be drugs or or um, pornography or any other form of addiction. Uh, I, I believe when somebody is really addicted to something, if we're addicted, we we have a habit which is beyond our ability to control. So our w- the habit is stronger than our will now God has given us a good will a strong will um, we can be, we can be weak-willed and then we need to be prayed for in that area that's another issue but uh, I personally believe that um, there will be a spirit behind most addictions so especially if somebody's been addicted for a long time there will be almost certainly a spiritual connection there um, I've already mentioned inherited curses, gangs, of course, all, all sorts of reasons why. Um, but, you know, when you start making vows to your gang, then you're actually opening yourself up to uh, to demonic uh, influence. So these are some of the issues that we might face. Um, can we just go a little bit deeper? This gets a little bit messy, but I'm afraid we need to be conscious and aware of some, of some of the things that are going on in the world today. Uh, Rodney Francis will have mentioned some of these things to you. Um, sadly, there's quite a strong satanic movement in the, in the country. Um, it's worldwide, but it's here in New Zealand as well. And one of the things that they do is they will take young people and traumatize them to such an extent that they become demonized. And they do this deliberately, even to children. And unfortunately, what happens, one of the ways that the mind copes with severe trauma, especially if the severe trauma is coming from someone who is their protector, then that, then the, the person has got nowhere to go. Do you see, see what I'm saying? Because if your protector is the one who's causing the, the trauma, then there's nowhere to run. And the way, one way the mind copes with that is to form a second personality. So, we meet then people, multiple personalities. And we've, we've ministered to a number of people in, with this situation. And they've been severely demonized and severely traumatized, and they've got several personalities. And a lot of these, a lot of the time, the people are unaware that they've got more than one personality, uh, but they're just aware that they've got problems. And so, I'm slightly nervous here because we've got a psychologist in the room, <laughs> and I don't know all the details, but I just tell you what we have come across and what we have met. We've come across people who are demonized in one of the alternative personalities. This gets complicated. So you've got personality A, which is okay, personality B, which is okay, personality C, which is demonized. So how do you get the demons out? Because when you're talking to the person, you're talking to A but A might flip and become B and now you're actually talking to almost what seems to be a completely different person. In fact, I read one book about one person who had over 20 personalities. One of the personalities was very clever, she had a PhD. But other personalities were, were quite simple and had different handwriting. I mean, it's bizarre. But if personality A and B are not demonized, but personality C is, you're not going to get the demons out until you can actually address personality C. So unless you know that personality C is there, how are you going to get it to come to the fore, take control of the body, now you can address it? And ask it, does it want to get set free? Do you see the complication? And if personality A and B want to be set free, but personality C doesn't, You've got all of this going on in one person. And so this is where deliverance can get complicated. Um, I, I actually think that this is possibly what was going on with this demoniac person. And Jesus was able to sort it out. So that's the good news. And we've had one, one person that I remember, in fact we've had several of this sort of situation, but we've had one person who um, I remember very distinctly and we were confronted with this, and I was w- with actually with Rodney and Len, and we were a bit stumped, and we just... We tried to get this girl set free, and some stuff had come out, and, and but we weren't, she wasn't free, and we didn't know what to do, so we went away and had a pray, came back the next day, and they brought her back, and the Holy Spirit told us this was what was going on. So we actually commanded the other personality to come to the fore, Now, we were aware that it was there. We didn't know before, but the Holy Spirit told us. So we asked that to come forth. And the the person, the girl, changed her voice. She changed her appearance. Uh, And and, uh, it was just amazing. And we could talk to that one. She became, there was a little girl. um, So we spoke to the little girl and asked if she wanted to get set free. And she said yes. So, by the grace of God, we got the demons out of that. Out of that personality, but now you've got a person with three personalities. She she had. So what do you do? Well, we asked. We didn't know. We were just flying by the seat of our pants. We hadn't got a clue what to do. But we, this the spirit led us. So it was really cool. The spirit suggested that we invite each person whether they would like to be reunited. So we spoke to each person in turn and said, "Would you like to be reunited?" And um, each of them agreed. And then we just commanded uh, those personalities to be reunited in the name of Jesus, and they were. And she changed. And yeah, and and so she wasn't totally sorted out with her problems. There was something else going on, but um, she was still getting nightmares and attacks. But um, most of her problems were sorted. So that was quite an experience going through that. Uh, So. I, I love deliverance, it's exciting, it's an adventure, you never know what you're going to meet. Yeah. Um, one lady, I was working with uh, Len, I, I'd spent some time trying to... She'd come over to our house two or three times, Bron and I had ministered to her, we hadn't seen her set free. And uh, we'd got some stuff out and uh, demons had come out but there was still a lot more there and we didn't know what to do about it. So I just called in the heavies, I phoned up Len and I said, Len I need your help here. And Len and I went over to her house in West Auckland. And we went in there and we um, we got to the route. Her, four, she was actually from a South American country. I think it was Bolivia. I think it was Bolivia. She was from Bolivia. Her family were, um, she was descended from the Aztecs. And of course, one of the things they did was child sacrifice. So actually, she'd had that. Curse passed down her family, the child sacrifice thing. And so when we dealt with that, when we broke that off, um, all hell broke loose. Literally, she uh, just went crazy. But uh, we finally got that out, uh, and and she was radically and completely instantly changed. It was amazing. She just glowed. She said, "I'm free." She was so excited, and we could all see it as well. You know, it's just gone and um, so yeah it was very exciting but that was quite it took some time it was about the third or fourth session with her to get that get that right so it's an adventure it's i i, I love deliverance because it's radical and, and you see dramatic changes uh a lot of people say well can christians have demons yes they can um a couple of examples and then I'll get into a process that has helped us. One time uh, uh, we were having a prayer meeting in our church in the UK and a, f- a good friend of ours was joining in the meeting and she just suddenly started to manifest. Started rolling on the floor and, and uh, um, twitching. and um, So we commanded the demons to come out and within a minute or two they came out and she was set free. She'd been a really good friend. She was a lovely Christian. That she was, uh, We were in a prayer meeting and she'd, she was a regular. What was interesting though is that she'd always wanted to have be involved in children's ministry but somehow had never been able to. Something had always come up that had prevented it happening and after that she started doing um, Bibles in schools and uh, she was just so blessed. So something was holding her back. But once she got set free, she was able to be released into her ministry. So that was interesting. Another time, another lady was one of our best intercessors. Um, we were having another prayer meeting, and uh, at the end of the prayer meeting, she said, oh, i just got a stomach pain. Can you pray for me? So we, we laid our hands on her stomach. Bang, she manifested. So I thought, my goodness, this lady is one of our best intercessors, you know? And here she is. And, and uh, anyway, it didn't take very long. The demons came out um and uh and she was very happy and she went home now that lady she was a lovely lady but she just every now and then she'd say something that was a little bit sharp and you'd think oh you know you didn't actually need to say that you know and and but we didn't we just kind of let it pass and we just thought oh it's just judy you know that sometimes she'll say something uh and that's just and uh, she's a work in progress aren't we all you know we were kind of taking that attitude uh, after that she never spoke again a uh, sharp word again just that was gone we didn't realize that was caused uh, that had a demonic root until she got set free uh, but there we are so look around no i'm just joking <laughs> sort of you're right sort of so the answer is yes, Christians can have. And in fact, I won't cast a demon out of someone if they're not willing to give their life to Christ. If they're not a, not a believer, um, they must want to get set free. And they must want to be a, a Christian. Why? Because Jesus specifically said, don't leave an empty house. So uh, if they're not a believer and you cast the demons out, well, the, It's just an empty house. One time they actually brought a a girl to us. Um, Could we pray for her? Uh, She was in the New Age. And she was having sexual attacks by demons at night. Um, Yeah, it can happen. And um, she wanted to be set free because she didn't like what was happening. And so we just asked her, are you willing to give up your uh, religion and become a Christian believer? And she said, no way. So we just said, well, I'm sorry, we can't cast them out. So there was somebody that I, we couldn't actually help because she wouldn't submit to Christ. Mm. Sad, but she. Uh, we just said, well, you know, you're actually messing with the wrong stuff and this is what happens. So, yeah, so um, that's their choice. And we I won't try and get somebody set free if they don't want to be and if, if they're not willing to give their lives to the Lord so um, those are just a couple of precursors all right well let's quickly look through what we what process we go through um there is a a a little bit of it in your book but i'll i'm just i'll expand on it a little bit um there's there's a a chapter in the book on deliverance but this is what we this is what we we do basing this very much on different scriptures but the first thing is, if, if a demon is manifesting, that is, if the person is rolling or shouting or screaming or causing problems, um, you can say to the demon to, to shut up, tell it to be still. It's what Jesus did. He said, and it says, Jesus said sternly. So he just rebuked the demon and told it to shut up. Often, Jesus did this. Make clear, that, as I've already pointed out, that you're talking to the demon. So the first thing is, get control of the situation by speaking to the demon. Say, demon, be still. You may not know which demon you're dealing with, um, but at that stage it doesn't matter. Demon, be still. And then, um, if what I would then try and do is just command the demons to come out. If they come out easily, job sorted. If they don't, or start arguing, or... You, you get a man's voice coming out of a woman saying, she's mine, I'm not leaving. sort of thing, and that can happen. <coughs> okay, so you've got to fight. So this is the next thing. The demons can only stay if they know they've got a legal right to stay. They're very legalistic, and if they think they've got a right to stay there, they will. So what, you've, what we have to do is get the person to agree to break off all the reasons why they're there in order to do that you need to talk to the person if the demon is in control when you talk to them rather like the demoniac you and the demon will talk back so what I now do is establish the name of the person in fact we we had exactly this happen just just recently in Nepal it was was a textbook case Um, and Find the name of the person, because our team had been trying to get this lady set free, and, and uh, they weren't making any progress, so then we started doing this, and it worked. And command the spirit of the person to take control of their body. So you might say, spirit of Amanda, take control of your body. Now you can talk to the girl. Or to the person. Now you tell the person the demon is there because it's got reasons to be there. We need to establish what those reasons are so that you can break them off in the name of Jesus. You can renounce all your vows and contracts with the enemy. You can forgive all the people who may have harmed you and then Tell the demons to leave yourself. So you actually get the person involved. If they're afraid, and they usually are, tell them, we're doing this in this together. We're going to get you set free. And, um, you know, we're, we're on your side. We're, we're here to help. And just encourage them with uh, with encouraging words. This is our you and us against the enemy. And we're going to see you set free. So that's what we... That's the approach we, we take. On this particular occasion in, the, um, uh, in Nepal, this lady had been sexually abused when she was a child. And the issue was that she had never forgiven the perpetrator. So we needed to ask her to forgive. Not easy, but she, in tears, but she did. She made the confession that she forgave her perpetrator. Having done that, we were then able to walk her through a process of um, renouncing any uh, vows or bonds with the enemy. That clears the decks. And then the demons have got no further right to be there. And then you can command the demons to come out. And they may argue for a little bit longer, but they will come. Because they recognize they. you You are on. They are on your turf. I had a dream a a few months ago, which uh, um, was actually amazing. (laughs) But it taught me quite a bit about this. I I I dreamt that I was um, surrounded by dinosaurs, and they were huge, and and they were attacking. They're coming to chase me because I was in their territory. And so I ran away from their territory over the border into my territory, or my kingdom, which was different. And they chased after me, and they kept coming. And um, uh, you've got to laugh because they were all wearing gumboots, all these, as they do, you know? (laughs) And so I ran and, and hid behind a pillar. And then I realized, hey, uh, they, they're, not, they're off ter- their patch. They, they shouldn't be here. They should be over there. They were in the wrong place. So I had courage and came out from behind my pillar and went and rebuked them and commanded them. They said, you are too big for your boots. <laughs> Shrink into your boots. And they did. Yeah. And they all disappeared down into their, into their gumboots. So there you go. That's deliverance for you. Wow. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah, so we recognize that there are... Once the, we have broken off all of the stuff which allows them to be there, then they have to leave. And then you can command them to come out. Having got the person set free, how do you know? Well, the person usually knows themselves. And I usually ask them, how are you feeling? Keep asking them how how it's going, how they're feeling, because that shows compassion. But also what you're interested to know is, uh, is there any stuff left? They can usually tell. If this is going on for a long time, um, then I would suggest having another session. Uh, It's usually, deliverance is usually pretty exhausting for everybody involved. It can be quite hard work. Um, physically, you're at, sometimes you have to restrain the person. Uh, sometimes they're rolling on the floor, and you're trying to stop them from harming themselves. So it can actually be quite exhausting. So we usually say a, a kind of an hour is enough. And if you haven't got them all out in an hour, just schedule another session, uh, and and that's okay. But once they've got, once you've got them out, then make sure that they're saved and pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're not leaving an empty house. And finally, um, make sure that they are in good fellowship. And especially some people that have come out of a really rough background, um, they may have the wrong kind of friends, and they really need to be drawn away from that kind of <laughs> environment where they, where they may be reinvested. So, so um, they need to be surrounded in by Christian friends and, and kept safe. So r- like, like anybody who's had a, um, an operation and deliverance is a spiritual operation um, and it can be quite heavy duty, like anyone, they need time of, to convalesce. So give them, give them space just to, just to recover. Does that sound all good? We've used that system in many different people and it's been very, very successful. But I'm aware our time is nearly gone, but if there are any last minute questions, um, yeah. Is there any difference with a child? Yeah, um, I actually love getting children set free because the demons come out very easily. Uh, we meet a lot of children um, who are uh, demonized in, in India and, and Nepal because they're dedicated to their idols. And of course that means they're dedicated to the demons. And of course the kids don't know, bless them. But usually it's a matter of um, a minute or two and they're set free. If the family is not Christian, we we don't usually meet them, to be honest. We usually meet them in a church environment where the family have brought their child and say, you know, can you help? My child is uh, is, is demonized. And that's usually the situation that we've... We have met them in, in crusade okay. situations, which has been more open. Um, and we've just got them set free. And maybe they won't be offered to the demons again. You You can't be sure. But at least you can get them set free. Um lots of questions, here If you're if you let's say hypothetically if you raised in a home that had cut and self harm and overdose and suicide, I'm talking about a Christian Yeah. Well, but my gobbling home. Does that mean that that the child of that family would have more of a chance of ha having that same sort of demonic transfer if there's any such thing? Yeah, I think possibly, um, would be my view i'd w- I'd want to protect that child if possible, and so I would look out for that if there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on in a family yeah. um and um yeah just just yeah. I I look at it like this: that uh, I say, if you go outside on a on a showery day, you might get wet. Uh, you might not. Um, but the longer you spend outside on a showery day, the l- more likely you are to get wet. So, um, yeah. So, in I- if that's a really bad family situation, then I would say that child has got fairly high op- risk of being being spiritually affected by that. Um, there was a one at the back. Uh, I think it rather depends on what they've been getting up to in, in the meantime. If you have to take a break and they go straight back into their idolatry or witchcraft or whatever, the risk is there. Yeah, because basically, like if, they've, if they're addicted to pornography and they go straight back to it, well they're just giving the demons opportunity to come back again?: Yeah. Thank you, I should have mentioned that, yeah, Um, not something you should do on your own. Uh, If you're just confronted with a simple situation and you can tell the demon to come out and it goes, that's fine. But if you realize that there's more involved and it's going to be a heavier duty session, um, don't do it on your own. Uh, Do it ideally um, with a husband and wife or a man and woman together and preferably also with a Christian friend of the person. So we try to, when, when Bron and I, my wife and I, are doing deliverance, we try to get the, the the affected person to bring, to be brought by a Christian friend. So then she's got a friend with her so she feels safe, and um, it, we're husband and wife together, so there's not going to be any gender issues going on as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, I should have pointed and said that. scripture during deliverance. Yeah. yeah speaking scripture during deliverance is good to do um it encourages us first of all um, because it reminds us that scripture is powerful secondly it is it has spiritual influence and so the demons hate scripture and so um we're just making life very uncomfortable for them and so another another way to do that is worship they hate worship as well so when we're worshiping the lord jesus um, that's just making life uncomfortable for anything that can make the life uncomfortable for the demons is good so yeah. What's <laughs> it well, so, John if we want to learn more about the deliverance? Um what was the name of that guy? Was it Carlos that's out Carlos Anacondia. And like like the snake with an eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anna A N A? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, uh, what about getting a house set free? Yes, we've had that experience um, and what we've done there is just to go around the house and take some anointing oil and like uh, anoint the doorways and funnily enough, uh, one lady, a fairly new believer, asked us to come. She said her house was, felt horrible and could we come and it turned out, we learned the history later, um, that uh, witches had been using the, um, the basement of the house for witchcraft. And so um we went around and anointed everything and prayed the blood of Jesus over the place and and uh the demons left, and there was no more problems yeah, uh sometimes a house can s- s- feel uh unnaturally cold as one symptom uh and we we again met that once in South America. We went to a place we were supposed to be staying. It was freezing, and there was no reason for it, but uh, then we discerned what was going on and commanded the demons to leave, and we had a good night's sleep <laughs> any yeah any idea of controlling spirits over New Zealand, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, over New Zealand and Christchurch? No, um, my personal theology is uh, that's that's not my problem. that's the Lord's problem. Uh, we can pray. But, but, you know, when, when Daniel was praying to God, and we read that the angels, uh, Gabriel and Michael, were fighting against the princes of Persia and Greece, Daniel was actually repenting. He wasn't praying against the angels of, of Persia and Greece himself. Michael and... And the other archangels were dealing with that problem. Our problem is to deal with what we've been called to do, which is to repent and to bring and preach the gospel. So I, I, I'm aware that there are territorial spirits because the Bible tells us there are spirits of, of, of Persia and Greece. So therefore there's a spirit controlling spirit over New Zealand. Um, but I, I don't see that as my problem. That's the Lord's problem. He'll, he'll send the angels to sort that out. We just concentrate on doing what we've been asked to do. That's, that's my, my theology. Interesting. And my friend said, Well, I've got the Holy Spirit, so I don't think I'll be any problem. Mm -hmm. And she said, Oh, well, my daughter's a a child, a very small child, is in training to be a shaman. Mm. And she said to her, You know, that's a dreadful thing to do to your daughter. Totally. Yeah. The lady said, Oh, well, we couldn't go to church. The spirits wouldn't like that, you know. Anyway, she she stayed and got a haircut. She was like, Well, she didn't feel anything. And she said, Well, hmm. Wow. And she said, Isn't that interesting that I felt nothing but yeah. the Holy Spirit impacted on me. and she said and the lady said to us, I'll have to get the shaman to come and clean out my salon now. <laughs> 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 Very interesting story. <laughs> and, she said, oh, wow. and she said, Oh, I said, Did you ever do anything go back and She said, I used to sit outside sometimes and read my Bible. <laughs> but she never felt Interesting, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we carry the Holy Spirit We do. Yeah. That's great. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah.